and welcome to Artist Materialist. I'm Susanna, an artist and graphic designer. I'm Dan, a material scientist. Each week we discuss a long read, sort of a book club type format, and this week we are talking about an article from Vox called Hope Punk, The Latest Storytelling Trend is All About Weaponized Optimism by Aja Romano. But before we discuss that, I'd like to talk about a comment that we got from episode 33, the crops versus water in California, where we discussed a kingdom from dust. And Amanda pointed out that when they were ripping out orchards to uh, cut water use, that the money could be better spent maybe restoring the land that is no longer being used for crops if they really want to improve the community. And that was something that we hadn't mentioned was maybe the whole ecology of the, uh, of the area that we discussed. Yes. And in that is sort of the, I guess, why, why do they even bother to rip out the crops if, if they're not using them anymore? And there must be some sort of regulation or maybe it's to preserve the soil. But again, if, if, if the point is to preserve the soil, then, then there's probably more that could be done. And if it's the regulations, then the regulations must just say, get the trees out. Yep. Also, there was a, a new article that just came out today um, about water use and uh, giant farming all over the country. And so I thought that was interesting. And I will post that in the comments uh, for that episode. Mm -hmm. All right. So Hope Punk. Episode 36. Yes. So you had told me that uh, you ended up falling down a little bit of a rabbit hole for at least one of the media items that was mentioned in this article. Yes, there is a whole long list of uh, media recommendations, TV shows, podcasts, and books at the end of this article. But I clicked on the article about Sensate, TV show on Netflix. And when I was, I thought, well, that's something that I remembered seeing a preview for. And it's something that I thought looked vaguely interesting. And I was going to watch it eventually. So I'll go ahead and watch it. And I have not been completely binging it because I do have a life. But I've been staying up way too late watching this show. It's really fascinating. It's um, done by the Wachowskis and J. Michael Straczynski. So you can kind of imagine there is a lot of fighting, a lot of action of, of all sorts. Um, and it's a very interesting show. And I think it does really encapsulate what hope punk is supposed to be because the characters are living in in the real world in the modern world and they all have a lot of difficult things going on in their lives on top of the you know sort of dystopian big corporate evil company trying to destroy them all but they all even though they're not perfect try to be good people and promote a an idea that love is important and understanding one another is important and connections between humans is really the foundation of 
good life on earth. So okay. it's, it's very hope punky, I think. It, mm -hmm. it, it made me understand what they were trying to get across better, I think. Yeah, so the this term hope punk, and as they put it in the article, and there's a um, an interview in the Vox article, this term hope punk was coined by Alexandra Rowland, who is an author and also has a podcast. And she coined the term in a very brief Tumblr post in 2017. And then people were very intrigued by this and asked her to elaborate and to elaborate some more. And so she's had several interviews and written other articles to expand on this idea of hope punk. And the initial thing that she said was that hope punk was the opposite of grimdark. And then that gets expanded in the more ex expanded version to be that it's the opposite of grimdark, but it's also sort of in between grimdark and noble bright. So I think we end up, uh, we'll, we'll have to kind of go through each of those. Yes. And uh, when I was describing this to my husband, he complained that these are all words that are invented to describe things that already exist. And I said, well, that's <laughs> true. But every now and then we need to create new terms to describe things so that we can describe them in modern ways. <laughs> and that's one of the things that they, they talk about is how, or this article and, and some other article related articles that I read is that it is a, a sort of amorphous term, like a, like a lot of new terms that, you know, where kids use a, a new uh, catchphrase and it ends up having a, a very moldable meaning, but there's something at its core. Yes. Now, grimdark was a term I was already familiar with because that has been around for a little while. And the examples they give of Batman and Breaking Bad, I don't know that The Walking Dead necessarily fits into that. But, um, and I'll talk about that later, but it's that sort of, they said gritty, the anti-hero, that every, everybody is secretly evil and that idea. I found the, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies are, I think, a pretty good example. Yes. The Joker would be kind of the ultimate, that the Joker from that series of Batman movies would be kind of the ultimate grim, dark guy, a, a complete nihilist who just wants to see the mm -hmm. world burn. And, and they also, also what comes up a lot is, is sort of not all, but most of the characters in, uh, George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire or Game of Thrones. Yes. And that goes along with the book too. And he was trying to, you know, sort of show a world where everybody is, it's kind of like old middle ages where everybody is sort of fighting and killing people and that's normal and fighting for power. I read, um, Fire and Blood, or I tried to read Fire and Blood, I was not able to finish it, his book about the uh, Targaryen family and how they came to Westeros, and oh my gosh, it is just, with maybe one or two chapters, it is just endless, fighting, killing, fighting for power, fighting, killing, fighting for power, and it just gets really, really old. It's sort of numbing grimdark, honestly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I, so I found there's an, another article that I read related that 
talked about sort of where the term grimdark came from and, and traced it back to a particular sort of anti-Tolkien fantasy novel in the 90s. And the idea being that instead of the Tolkien, as a sort of a the Noble Bright, which is, is in some ways grimdark is a reaction against Noble Bright, where Noble Bright is sort of there's an innate goodness in people and the great evil can be conquered. So sort of your they talk about Arthurian legends or uh, say the Chronicles of Narnia or any any number of, of sort of standard um, you know the the hero against all odds defeats the great evil and the reaction against that especially in, in sort of the 80s 90s is this idea of no there's no but there's no good people there's no innate goodness it's just you know one anti-hero killing the anti-anti-hero. Yes. <laughs> and it was an interesting idea, that whole reaction to the Noble Bright story back when it first started. And for a while it was interesting to me, but after a while I just got tired of it. And that's where I think Hope Punk comes from, is nobody wanted to really go back to, well, maybe not everybody wanted to go back to the Noble Bright idea that one man can change the world and completely defeat evil, but no, they didn't want to keep telling stories where nobody is good and evil is never even fought back. And a question I had for you is, I, I think you're more widely read among a lot of different fantasy novels and the one of the articles that Alexander Roland talks about coining the term she particularly points to Terry Pratchett as in some ways the a person who she got the this, this idea or sense from and Terry Pratchett you know his his books go back into that same time of of when Grimdark is coming out but I'm I'm wondering if, if that strikes a chord with you or not because I, I don't know that I've knowingly read anything by him. Oh, I'm going to have to look at a list of his books because uh, you know what? I actually have not read his books, which is amazing now that I think about it because I've always meant to the Discworld books, I know. And, and I've again, I just meant to, but I never really got around to it. Kind of surprising. I've, I, I know I've read at least book one of Ringworld, but that's very different. Yes. So I don't know. I guess I just felt like I had read Douglas Adams and that was kind of enough <laughs> as far as I'm trying to remember. There was another, um, another fantasy slash sci-fi writer who incorporates a lot of humor into his books, but I wouldn't call and I completely blanking on his name at the moment. But he's, I wouldn't call him either um, Noble Bright or Grimdark or anything. It's just sort of, you know, 70s, 80s sci-fi fantasy books. So I really do need to, to go back and read some Terry Pratchett because I think that it's kind of embarrassing that I haven't read any. <laughs> I hadn't read uh, Neil Gaiman either. Oh, which, is that? In... Okay. Which shows that I'm really not as well read as I should be. I, I think we maybe both had the 
reaction where people said that we really should read both of these authors and then we said uh eventually and then never did yes exactly however i did go out based on this article and by uh, nk jemison's broken earth trilogy because i was really interested in reading it it has won um a bunch of awards and um, they're going to create a, t a TV series based on it. And um, she's won some Hugo awards back to back. And so I was really intrigued and I'm going to start reading that soon. Oh, that's, I've, I've been curious about that as well. She had a, she did an episode of, of Ezra Klein's podcast where she went through a world building exercise with him. Oh, how cool. And sort of a, a world first approach to uh, sci-fi fantasy. That writing. is something. Yeah. That is something that I do sometimes. Um, if I'm stuck somewhere and I'm kind of bored and like listening to a lecture or something, I will start <laughs> creating a world and uh, the people who live in it and, and the rules for how it works and all that. So yes, that's, that's actually, I think, a fun way to to create a story. Having read a, a few of these different articles about the sort of expanded, expanding on this idea of, of, of uh, Alexander Roland trying to explain what she means by Hope Punk, what I came away with was, in part, that this was a very humanist approach as and sort of contrasting that with a nihilist grimdark and a more religious noble bright i think that's a pretty good way of describing it and i found it interesting the sort of backlash from those other people who like those other two sorts of stories have had to the emergence of punk because like you said, it is very humanist and it is very, it tends to be kind of inclusive. And that is something that really got people upset um, a few years ago with the whole Nebula and Hugo Awards. Um, mm -hmm. They wanted what they called more traditional stories, you know, the traditional space operas, what we might think of as the Noble Bright type stories, and didn't like. They thought there was too much focus on character and uh, emotion. And I, I think that there, there adds, and, and also when she talks about Hope Punk, there is a very explicit political angle to it. And that it really does go with sort of, uh, I can imagine that there's a lot of pushback from that because of that political angle. And it, it's such that even somebody who isn't, doesn't necessarily disagree with her politically might be sort of, okay, fine, but I don't want that in my sci-fi and fantasy. Right. One thing that I've, I've read some articles about recently is people's tendency to like authoritarianism more than what would be the opposite of authoritarianism, non-authoritarianism. <laughs> but, um, and it's well, not necessarily that they want it as a political, you know, that they want an authoritarian dictator, 
in charge of their country, but it's people who like strong authority figures and appreciate people telling them what to do in their own lives, and that's how they want to live their lives and how they want people around them and how they bring up their children is a sort of authoritarian worldview. Mm -hmm. And that people who appreciate that way of living are very much opposed to people who are, I guess, more democratic in their worldview and want more consensus building and don't like one strong leader telling everyone what to do. And that psychologically, there's a huge difference in people who appreciate those two ways of living. So I can see how people who want maybe more of the noble, bright, single leader saves the world would really not like at all the more hope punk, you know, band of scrappy weirdos um, saves themselves. (laughs) So so to this end, there was a Another podcast episode I, I listened to very quickly was an it was an episode of the I guess it's a radio show One A on NPR. Yes, yes. And so they had Alexander Roland, and then they had an author of utopian novels. What is the difference then, as they expressed it, between hope punk and utopianism? So, in one of the expanded discussions about hope punk. Alexandra talks about how utopia is, from her perspective, utopia is always built on the exploitation of somebody. And Hmm. I think she pointed in particular to, uh, there's a um, Ursula K. Le Guin short story that that is sort of predicated on this idea, but it's this idea that, that utopia is always, that utopia for some almost necessarily means oppression of others. And the author of utopian novels was rejecting this. He was saying, you know, I came back from Vietnam and a lot of the people around me came back from Vietnam and killed themselves. And I came back from Vietnam and I decided to imagine a world that does not exist right now, but could be a world where everybody's happy. And then she was pushing back and saying, well, if everybody's happy or there are other comments that if everybody's happy, then that sort of implies the sameness. And so that's a flattening, a homogenization. And that means there's oppression of difference. And so it's, it, it, there's a tension there. I agree. That's something that is in Peter Hamilton's novels. And I've read all of his science fiction. Um, a theme that he keeps coming back to is human search for utopia. And of course, in his world, humans are going out among the stars. And so they look for utopia by founding these planets based on what they think is going to be their own idea of utopia. And of course, it never works because we're human. And it's always, there's always some slight flaw in their utopia, but they keep trying. And I think that's kind of what her point is, is this idea of one of the metaphors that gets used a lot is the glass half full, glass half empty, and she's and what she's arrived at for Hope Punk is that what's important is that there's water in the glass and the water is people. That's very interesting. So one thing that this article made me remember was a blog post that I wrote back in 2013. Um, wow. Yes, so I had to go back and find it, and I titled it What We Crave, Meaning, Belonging, and Self-Expression, which is, in retrospect, a terrible title. But what I was trying to say was that 
I just listened to a piece on the takeaway, the radio show about the end of irony. And a lot of people had been talking about the end of irony and was that happening at the time. And I said that what was happening was that millennials were rising and they were tired of being soaked in the sort of ironic anti-hero world that um, Gen Xers had created and they wanted something meaningful. And I talked about um, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic and how that was so popular at the time and surprisingly popular to a lot of people and, and about how the Avengers movie showed that um, belonging and people coming together and having connections with each other was important as opposed to the lone anti-hero idea. And so it really was the beginnings of what I was noticing um, that came to be called hope punk. I just didn't come up with a very good term for it. So it's interesting that I noticed that that far back. Yeah. that it, And it, even to a more sort of an academic world, there is the sense that there is a lot of reductionism and, and picking things apart for decades. And more recently, there's been more of a push to put things back together and more of integrationist and trying to have an irreducible whole and not just take things to little pieces. Yes, whereas before we were having deconstructed food, now we are eating tacos and burritos where everything's all put together. <laughs> <laughs> so what on this list of um, possible hope punk media have you seen or were you surprised to see was on the list? I was not surprised that I had missed almost all of the books. I think most of what I had, I, I have seen was more of the the TV and movies. And I think with any of these kind of terms, especially when they're new, there's a, a, a tendency to just kind of throw everything in there. Mm -hmm. So I was surprised, for instance, to see Jupiter Ascending. I I guess I can kind of see it. It's, it's also Wachowski's and there is a, a almost a celebration it's it is kind of a subversion of the the chosen one to sort of a celebration of the ordinary so i guess that is it is kind of hope punk in that that sense i was surprised to see sailor moon in there because i was a big sailor moon fan back in college and i never really would have thought of it that way um i mean it is kind of you know ridiculously optimistic in the face of the bad guys who are coming after them. But to be honest, the bad guys in Sailor Moon aren't ever really that um, bad compared to most other anime. <laughs> I don't know. And I, I think maybe that's one of the, where the tension comes and And one of the things that, that Alexander Roland talks about is that in Hope Punk, that punk is supposed to be doing, is supposed to be the sort of operative word. And that if you're just talking about things that are hopeful, that it's not really what she's talking about, that she's much more into a, a sense of resistance and that sort of this, the scrappy part and the holding on to humanity in the face of, of forces that tried to pull that apart rather than necessarily being a, a nice story about it. She, 
specifically saying, you know, hope punk is not nice. Yes. And in that sense, I think that maybe, you know, Angel or Mad Max Fury Road, two other things that they mention in this list, fit the bill a little better. Yeah. So in Mad Max Fury Road, you have a lot of, of different things going on, but you have a, a group of people trying to be decent people and they're trying to be decent. They're not you know, pretending that they're never going to do anything bad. They're still engaging in violence and they have flaws and they don't always do the right thing, but they're trying to be decent people. And I think that's a big difference between this idea of hope punk versus, versus noble bright, where you have somebody who acts nobly like Aragorn from Lord of the Rings or something. Uh, there's no nobility. There's just people doing the best they can is, is more the, the, the thought. Yes. And this article mentions sort of society building and, and how that's very much a part of Hope Punk, the idea that we need to live in a society, in a community. Community building might be better. And that is why I really think that The Walking Dead is more Hope Punk than Grimdark, because that's kind of the point of the entire show. Now, I admit I did stop watching at a certain point because um, the app stopped that I could watch on stopped working for me. And I might go back and finish it, might not. But at least in the first few seasons, it was all about a group of people who were trying to form a community and just live and mm -hmm. in a world that was trying to force them to be bad. And they were trying to not lose their humanity, which I think is very hope punk, you know? <laughs> yeah. One other thing that this article mentions is, as uh, they say, an extreme, even aggressive form of self-care and wellness in response to stress created by bleak socio-political times and the uh, rise of the trend called, I hope I get this right, Hygge, which is a Norwegian... A da sorry, a Danish term for basically being comfy and cozy. And it's the idea that you want to wrap up in a blanket on a cold night and drink hot cocoa, which I don't, again, I don't know why it needs a specific term, but it's Danish and maybe that's a really important thing, important idea in Denmark. So, or, uh, or is, it, is it Danish or Dutch? No, it says it's Danish. Oh, it's Danish, okay. Yes. I, I always get confused, even <laughs> though I know where they are geographically. So the article linked from the original one talks about uh, what is Huga and about how all these books coming out about how to be Huga and people were marketing things to help you be more Huga, <laughs> like blankets and candles and... Uh, comfort food recipes. And the funny thing is it's kind of an anti-marketing concept because the idea is sort of, you know, staying home as they called it in the eighties, cocooning. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I just thought that was interesting. I hadn't heard that term before and uh, it, it kind of does fit with the idea that people want to sort of turn towards happy, hopeful things in a world that they see as stressful and uh, falling apart. But it's also very n not punk. <laughs> no, <laughs> that is very not punk. It would, it would, Huga could only be hope punk if, if you and your 
little band of, of rebels are uh, wrapped in blankets and drinking hot cocoa in your shelter as the bombs rain down around you, I guess. <laughs> yeah, this, the, the hook, the, it really had its moment maybe two years ago, around 2017 also, I, or something like that. There, just, there were a lot of, of discussions about it. And I guess what makes that match with the whole Hope Punk idea is, as they say, um, the idea that simple pleasures are important. And that does fit because the heroes in this are not fighting for a great treasure or anything like that. They're just fighting to be able to live their lives happily. And that's where I think um, Sam and Frodo in Lord of the Rings really fit in. They don't want to necessarily save the world for to save the world they just want to save the world so they can go on and be hobbits and live happy lives they're not trying to rule the world they're just trying to save normalcy yeah the saving the world for now i, I think that's very important element mm-hmm Thank you for joining us for another episode of Artist Materialist. You can find us on the web at artistmaterialist.com. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you heard it to help us spread the word and to expand the conversation. And join us next time when we will be discussing Tinder and how that has changed dating from an article in The Atlantic.